At the end of your life, what will be your legacy? What will you leave behind for future generations? For the world, join the world messenger, Isabella Lundberg, each week as she brings you a new distinguished guest from the business, sports, or entertainment world to share their success, their struggles, and their lessons. They will share their insights into current hot topics that affect everyone. Isabella facilitates an intimate, vulnerable environment to find the true value of humanity and real leadership. Are you ready for your legacy? The legacy that matters? Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. It's Isabella Lombik here, the world messenger, and I inviting you for another epic episode of Legacy Leader Show. Today, I have someone very special that you guys are not only going to hear so much wisdom and opportunity to pivot in current times, but also to understand what realities we are operating under, what is happening, not only here in the United States, but on the global level. Someone who is coming from years and years of service and intelligence in military of the United States with deployments around the world and understanding the landscape through his lens in such an amazing way where we can really depict not only historically what we've seen, but also what we've seen currently today. Someone who also is author of the book, The Leadership Letter, which I cannot wait to hear what transpired uh, my guests to write that book and what's that all about. Uh, obviously, we want to appreciate and thank him for amazing service in U.S. Army and also in Obviously, as immigration officer, he also had a great career there and depicting what's going on with current immigration and so much more. But before we go and deep dive in, first of all, let's welcome Tim Bowen. Tim, how are you? I'm well, thank you very much. Tim, first of all, I'm super, super glad you're here for selfish reasons as we depict and realize you were actually stationed in Bosnia during your service with US Army. When I was a teenager, young teenager dealing with the um, magnitude of the war. Before, I just want to first of all say thank you for your service and everything you did uh, and continue to do to make a difference in so many people's lives. But I wanted to really learn, how did you even chose to go in the military? What was your uh, thought process when you were a young man for so many choices and opportunities in front of you? How all this happened? Well, for me, it was something that I'd already, I was always liked. I'd always been attracted to the military service. And uh, as a boy, I said, I want to be a fighter pilot. Well, then I found I was badly nearsighted and can't see well, so that didn't work. And in high school, I was in a program called Junior Reserve Officer Training Corps, which was sponsored by the Army. And I liked the lifestyle and such. And so when I finished high school, I decided I'm going to enlist and I wish to serve as a soldier. So I started in the infantry. And I spent a few years in that. I realized, well, I need to expand myself. And so I was, uh, started going to college at night and getting my degrees. And also I moved into military intelligence because it was a way of using my skills in speaking with people, in writing and reporting and doing something uh, that was more valuable than just serving as a soldier. And from that, I was allowed to get a commission as a, a chief warrant officer and served 22 years into that. Wow. So 
that I'm, I'm, I'm just blown away. So you, you knew it deep down, this is what you wanted to do. And, and you made it sure if one maybe planned and work out, alternative was there. And then often they say that is usually what you are actually always meant to be doing anyway. But you also joined there and did uh, some amazing intelligent work, intelligence work. Do you mind sharing with everybody what that entails and, and what that looks like? Yes, uh, some of our work is at the larger levels, I would work in what's called a field office. And this is something similar to what you would see FBI people doing. Is yes. we have agents that would go out, they would take information on possible cases of espionage, terrorism, threats to national security, and report on this and conduct further investigation. And the idea is also to go out there and look for potential weaknesses so that we can neutralize these threats. And we have our soldiers who are out there with the soldiers in the field. We would have teams out into the countryside. They're speaking with the people. They're gathering information. They're finding out what is going on. They identify any potential threats to us. And they report this information at the same time. The information they're reporting is being collected and reported all the way up into the national levels there to the director of national intelligence, the central intelligence agency. And they use these to formulate the political strategies that our country uses. So the very small pieces that are out there are used to build a large puzzle. And we always tell the people as leaders, this is what you're doing. What you have, your piece may seem small, but it could be significant when it's matched to the other pieces to give somebody that big picture. That's what you have to do. Wow, and that is so true because a lot of times we feel like we don't make a huge difference or make an impact, but unless, again, you look at things from different perspective, you can see specifically in your scenario, you not only you're putting your life in danger and, and putting yourself in a risk, but you also have conviction because you're doing a greater good, not only for people that you're helping. In this case, I'm just again highlighting how you helped during the Bosnian war and collapse of former Yugoslavia, but you, I'm sure you did a lot of intelligence work um, across the globe in other um, conflict zones and different deployments, right, between Iraq, Afghanistan, and many others. Um, so for everybody watching and listening, if you're good at something and, 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 and you're passionate about something like Tim uh, and willing to do the best superb work you can possibly do, your impact echoes for forever. With that in mind, Tim, uh, where, 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 could you mind sharing how it was for you to be deployed in a in, in country like that, that you obviously don't have... Uh, no previous either knowledge or you're just being exposed to something that, again, um, it's a war. It's a war zone. How do you adjust? How do you prepare for something like that? Well, first of all, as a soldier, you know that's what your stock and trade is. That's what you're prepared to do. You train your people. You train yourself to be able to fight if you have to. With the idea in this case, because it was considered what we call peacekeeping duty, is we want to avoid fighting as much as possible, be prepared for it at any time. And it's also a thing of, I had the advantage of, I'm a student of history. So I had some knowledge of what was going on in the place we were. And I will take the time to read and expand my knowledge of the area, of the people, of the situation, so I have a better feel for it. Because 
you cannot be effective in collecting intelligence information if you don't know the backstory of what's going on, what motivates the people you're talking to, how do they think, and how is that relevant to what's going on at this time. It's important to me, and as I go along there, I start to pick up snippets of the language, I learn more about the culture, so I can appreciate this and also be respectful of the people that I'm dealing with, even to the point where one of the unique things about uh, being there is that some of the people, the Serbs, write in Cyrillic, the others write in the Roman alphabet. So I started learning to read Cyrillic so I would knew what I was seeing, even if I don't understand it at the time, because it goes to the advantage of being attentive to what's going on. And those kind of those little things that are important is there. And then convey that down as a leader, convey that down to the people so that they appreciate better what they're doing. Because if they don't have a full appreciation of this, then it becomes just a task or a job. And that's not what you want. They won't get the full story either if they don't appreciate what they're doing. Wow. And, and never fails again to connect with people and meet them on their level and show genuine interest and curiosity. And as you just said, goes a long way to learn few phrases like you greeted me beautifully uh, in, in, in perfect um, uh, Croatian or Bosnian. Uh, and, and we're just so sweet to, to when you know that somebody put that effort. It really does uh, takes barriers down, doesn't it? Yes, very much so that it, uh, it adds a whole dimension there. And whenever you're dealing with other people, be it in this country or in a foreign country or something, you show them respect. You show them that you respect who they are, what they are, and in giving them that respect, they will return it back to you. And the same goes for leaders. You respect your people, you listen to them, you get to know who they are and show that you appreciate who they are. And in doing so, that they will in turn give you that respect back. Do you mind sharing some of your most fa most fascinating or most uh, transformational moments uh, as obviously being involved in US Army and intelligence uh, overseas? What were some pivotal moments and lessons that built you uh, as phenomenal leader uh, that you were already at the time, but also that helped you through trajectory of your professional career? Well, looking at it in situations like this, you realize that yes, we're here in a was a peacekeeping duty, but you have to be prepared at any time for things to change. And when you suddenly turn a corner and realize in a country like Bosnia that you have just essentially almost crossed a border, you are going from an area that is essentially controlled by one faction and now you're in an area that's controlled by the other. And this other maybe has a different perspective of you. And you can almost feel the change. Mm -hmm. And I would have to work with my people so that they would appreciate this, that yes, you know, this changes from mile to mile. This changes from town to town. And you have to be ready for it and go in there because as we dealt with some of the people, they were a little more hostile to our presence. And I would have to almost deal with them in a different manner. Whereas some, I could be polite. Others, I had to be brusque and almost uh, somewhat forceful because they actually appreciated that. Mm -hmm. it's, that was the, uh, their mindset. And in doing so, you would actually gain a little bit modicum of trust in being that way. 
And I had to demonstrate that for, the, for my people so that they would see and understand also that this is the way you have to be. Because there were times where we just felt like a little uncomfortable and I had to realize, okay, we're gonna pack up and we're going to leave because mm. the situation is not good. We were safe in the end, but it's always, you just have to be attuned to and be aware of your surroundings and know what your limits are in what you're doing. That is fantastic. And, 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 and you're right, uh, how important it is to properly assess situation and see what's possible and what can we do versus to throw the towel and say, we can't do anything and this is what is happening, which a lot of times people either give up too quickly or they really don't look and examine properly situations so that they can really identify opportunities. Seems like you, you're from your work with intelligence and just everything you've been doing, uh, you have that um, great uh, perspective. Yes, that's you need to keep that perspective and always develop it. Is uh, keep learning is the process. Keep growing, keep growing as a leader and as a person. And it's this this uh, one of the things I have is an insatiable desire to absorb knowledge like a sponge. And in doing that, you gain all the little nuances that you need to be effective is to know how far you can go in certain limits, what you can do, what's going to work, what may not work, how to try different approaches, because you have to focus on your desired result, which number one is making sure that my people were safe and protected. And number two, that we're getting our job done, which is to go out there, get this information and get it into the, the system so that it can be useful for somebody else in their planning. Mm. Always focus on that result in the whole thing is all these little things are part of the process, but you always stay focused. What is my result? What is my desired goal here? And how do I do it? Mm. Or am I reaching it? And if I'm not reaching it, what can I need to change, right? What's working and what is not? Because a lot of times we have a two issues. Either we give up too soon or we're measuring completely different things. Or on the other hand, or we love, hold to it too long, but we don't make any changes. How do I shift gears here? They say, okay, what's working, what's not? And we ask for the feedback as we report information. We say, how valuable is this to you? What are you not getting? Do you need something else? And when you get them in a proactive phase of they're telling you, okay, next time you go out, this is what I'd like to know. Then you've got that relationship going. You build these connections in that network there that makes everybody in the whole process effective, especially the people above you, because you want them to be effective in getting back to you. What do you need to know? It's always the person on the ground who's got the eyes and ears who's going to give you the best picture of what's going on. That is so true. And, and that same thing applies in the consulting world and the business as well in military because people that are on the ground, they know the best where the problems are, but also what possible solution could be there, right? And if we listen, we create a dialogue and build that trust, uh, we can solve anything virtually. Yeah, this is what you have to do with your people is that as a leader, you create that trust. You show them, I am aware of what I'm doing here. I have a good plan. I seek your input in what we do. I had soldiers who had been in Bosnia before. I relied very heavily on them. I had interpreters who did the interpretation for me. I relied very heavy on them because good leaders, you know your limitations. Okay, 
I do not speak the language. I know a few phrases, that's it, but I do not speak the language. And so I'm going to need your help in doing this in not only telling them what I'm saying, but what I intend in what I say and giving back to me the same thing, not just the words, what does it all mean and get that to us so that we can get an effective communication goal. Yes. Because without that, you're kind of dead in the water. Mm. Yes, I, I can see that. And how many times uh, situations happen that we just don't have second chance or point of return, right? Sometimes it's a very dire situation. With that in mind, obviously, you've been in many different environments. Do you mind sharing some of the countries you've been as you were internationally um, deployed and, and worked with U.S. Army? Other than uh, Bosnia, I did uh, some time with the United Nations forces in Haiti. Mm. This was the situation was that there had been a coup and we came in to try to restore democratically elected government. Now, here you're dealing with a different situation. It is one country, but the country is very poor. It is one of the poorest countries in the world. It has been this way. They have a host of economic, social, and um, problems that have been going back years. And there are no easy solutions. You cannot solve life for these people. You have to understand, okay, we are just trying to get them to where they are taking what they have, democratically elected government, and trying to make something of them to make their lives better but it's not up to us to do that. It's up to us to make sure the various factions within the country stay peaceful in the process. And that's what we do. And it was very similar to that. It was peacekeeping duty. There are times people are holding riots, they are doing things, they are somewhat friendly to your process, hostile to your, what you're trying to do. You have to be ready to adjust. And I also spent a very brief amount of time in Panama uh, out wow. down there for uh, very military exercises. Uh, this is as our military presence there was winding down and we just basically were turning everything over to the Panamanians, but we want to make sure that our interests in the Panama Canal are well defended against people who may want to block it or uh, take over or something like that. And I did several tours in Korea and uh, Korea is a fascinating country. The country has built up immensely. It is sad that it is still divided after 70 plus years. And that uh, it's uh, what many people don't realize that war is not even over. They just stop shooting at each other. But both sides are there looking at each other. I covered the area of the demilitarized zone up there where it was very close to it. And my soldiers were up there every day in their job to gather information. And also they were doing security clearance investigations on people there, our soldiers who were stationed up there. And you have to stop and realize that yes, this is still a hostile situation and you have to be careful of it. And I saw the same thing when Germany was divided into East and West back in the 1970s. You know, we stood at the border between the two countries and stood there facing the Russians, facing the East Germans, looking at this situation, training for what may happen to be a huge land warfare that fortunately never came about. But when you look at this and appreciate what it takes to do this and how deterrence is preventing something from happening is you cannot take stock or measure in what did you prevent. But at the same time, when you know that something grand of the scale that is just pure uh, tragedy 
didn't happen, and you match it against what's happening today in, say, the Ukraine, you realize, yes, you accomplished something. That is what I train my people as a leader is you accomplished something because this did not happen. You know, and you may say, well, how did I make it not happen? You were part of a greater good. You were part of something larger than yourself. And in doing so and recognizing that, then you understand my place in this world is not just about me. It's about what I contribute to others. How brilliant and, again, amazing words of the wisdom for everybody watching and listening to really pause and reflect what's just being shared. And that a lot of times we, because of complexities in the world, don't see or interpret things properly. And as a result, we don't really give them equal or right importance and emphasis because knowledge is powerful, but also applied knowledge when we really know now that we can do better and do something meaningful with that. It's tremendously impactful. And Tim, you've been doing this all of your professional life. Uh, I mean, I, first of all, I'm just blown away just what you just shared from helping an uh, army to UN to all these efforts you did. And then you also did something amazing. You were also helping with immigration and you were also helping with the uh, fraud detection and national security direction, uh, uh, opportunities that you were doing there. And, and being part of the defense uh, mechanisms for United States through US CIS. Yes, I had the opportunity. I hired in to start doing intelligence analysis. And we realized that in taking this, there was so much more that needed to be done. And we were able to take what we were doing and identifying people who were committing immigration fraud for reasons of just getting people over, for reasons of conducting criminal activity, and for reasons of national security threats of espionage and terrorism is trying to stop these people. And when we had the sad realization of September 11, 2001, and we found a trove of information on these people, and we were able to start and go in, identify other potential threats, and working with other agencies such as the FBI, is make sure that further attacks did not happen. You know, I can't go into details on these, but it was a thing we were able to successfully prevent other potential incidents from happening. And we used that to help form the Fraud Detection National Security Unit. And from what I had learned in the military, I was able to tell them, okay, here is the how of how you have to do these things. Because they knew the what of they had to do, but the how was somewhat lacking. I was able to fill that blank for them. I wrote a lot of the early doctrine and the procedures and the reporting procedures that they use. And a lot of that is still in use to this day as to how they do that. So that was something I was a bit proud of, was the fact I was able to affect national policy in the way this agency did things that by the time I left 24 years later, they were doing things different than they had done when I walked in the door. Amazing. I mean, again, I could just keep getting this wow effect over and over again. And uh, the beauty is what we see the common theme here is when you know, uh, when you leverage and utilizing the knowledge and information, and then you see tremendous opportunities to apply and apply that. And then obviously, um, putting also towards the immigration and serving in as an immigration service officer, which in the times when a lot of immigration reforms were changing, this was obviously post September 11th and then a lot of dramatic changes. 
Uh, do you mind elaborating a little bit about that? Well, what happened was we realized that there were holes in the system. And so how do we plug these holes? And so we went for it and we say, okay, how can we rewrite the rules to make it to where it is a little bit harder to do what they did? And we made some progress on that. Now, one of the things, especially about immigration is that whenever you work with this, you're up against political interests. Yes. So you have to basically work to get people's buy-in. This is one of the things that you do on the leadership level is you don't, you try not to make it a hostile situation. You say, okay, how can I convince them to see things my way? And here's why it's in your interest to see things my way. And along the way, especially even with our own people was to get their buy-in to change the way that they were doing things is use automated systems that some of my colleagues were inventing to check people to see who's in the system as a possible lookout. And then we took that a step further and we said, okay, let's start putting these people into the system's possible lookouts when we identify them, which is something that our particular branch was not doing, was they were not thinking, okay, hey, we can put it there too. And I just asked the question one day, can we put people in there? And they said, see why not. So we did it and I developed a training program that was taught nationally to do this. And we were actually uh, overly successful because suddenly my phone is ringing at all hours of the day. They're finding these people. And, you know, and I'm getting calls from all the federal agencies and from our own people at ports of entrance. Hey, I've got them. What do I do with them? <laughs> you know, and that's where we have to be able to come up with new solutions, sometimes quickly, because that is something we had not banked on is that we would, uh, not only did we do something, we succeeded in doing it. And in doing so, we were able to give an entire new dimension and also bring people together. Sadly, one of the problems of the federal government is they're not good at talking to each other. And we use this is get out there, build those connections, that networking, get them talking to each other and not, and to us and get us all on the same page to do the same thing, sing the same song in the same key. And with that, you've got the harmony that produces results because yeah. this is something that really lacks out there and to this day, but we were able to do that to the point again, almost being overly successful. I would get phone calls from people. They say, uh, can you help me with this? And by the way, how did you get my name and number? Well, I got it from this person who says you can help out with this Olympics. And so, you know, you have to be prepared when you take this initiative is to uh, what are you going to do with the success you generate from it? And where are you going to go next? Don't rest on your laurels. Take it up. Keep going up, up, up to the next higher levels. Mm. So, so important. And it's so beautiful also to see how you became uh, instrumental and part of that solution in identified the problems and knew how to leverage information and intelligence and, and skill sets that you had. Uh, and, and, and again, I love hearing wildly successful because where is the will? There is the way, right? And then sometimes we just need to, again, be bold and show up and, and show what's possible. Often we don't know what's possible because we never thought about it, never tried it, never look at the possibility in a different way. And also love how instrumental you were and still are in bringing everybody together. Because when we are in unity, when we're all working together towards common goal, uh, things happen faster, right? And, and, and we create something that is 
definitely not only making us proud, but we also uh, feel better and more prepared for, for tomorrow, for the future. Very much so. And as you and I were discussing earlier before we came on the air, was you always have to think, what is my purpose? What is a desired result from all of this? And we know that in the military government service, we always knew it never really ends. But what is my goal in the short term, in the midterm, in the long term to get out of this and focus on that, never lose sight of that, is that I have a purpose here because if your process becomes a result, which is often a fault of government operations, is you don't actually accomplish everything. Certain mm -hmm. things get done, but you, when you look at it and say, okay, um, a famous line I heard in a movie, I fought a thousand battles, what have I won? Mm. You have to look at it from the perspective of what do I intend to get from this, not just the sake of doing it for the sake of doing it. Uh, you know, a, uh, a machine can do that. Yes, yes. So, so very, very true. But also you did something tremendous. Uh, you wrote the book. You became author of the Leadership Letter. I'm sorry, it's not a book. It is a column. <laughs> okay, column. I apologize. Yeah, it's uh, a weekly column. <laughs> Okay, so do you mind sharing what, what are you covering in the leadership letter? I'm very much so um, curious because I'm sure everybody watching and listening, how, um, your doctrine on leadership or, or whatever, but, but, but what, what, what inspire you and what letter is all about? It's a thing of, one of the things I, I see in the world is, I especially saw this in federal service, is the world is full of managers and not many leaders. And there's mm -hmm. a huge difference. Managing is managing projects and time and things like this. Leaders manage people and they manage people and they lead people in the process of getting things done. And while I saw many excellent things on LinkedIn as I got more involved in it on the things on how to live your life, on how to be a good leader, but I say, okay, but there is this concept out there that's called reality of the tough things that leaders face. What do you have to do when you have to make a tough decision? What do you need to do when you have to undertake a bold undertaking that is going to perhaps change the lives of many people, even on a global scale? And how do you do that sort of thing? What are you going to do? I give the uh, advice and things I list is somewhat general. It is not that because you cannot answer every specific situation, but it is designed to make leaders think, where am I going and what do I do and use that because thinking is your greatest tool. That's how you're gonna come up with your results is, mm -hmm. and again, saying, what is my intended purpose? What am I going to get out of this? What is my desired result? And what do I do if the desired result doesn't work out? What am I going to do next? Because that, and so on a week-to-week -week basis, I discuss topics of communication, of being a steadfast presence, even in a situation such as what happened on September 11th, of yeah. going out and dealing with the tough situation when the person pops their head in the door and says, hey, do you have a minute for conversation? What are you going to do next? Because this may be pleasant, it may not be. And how are you going to deal with it at that time? And that's it. And these are all the things I call reality because 
you know, there mm -hmm. are many great instances of this out there. There are a host of good books out there. There are a host of good coaches who you can walk you through details of the process. I just want to give you little points out there to make you think and ponder about how to be a better leader. I love what you said. It's fortunate, sad. That is the reality that we have more managers and not even effective managers, let alone effective leaders, right? And having this deficit, an opportunity to step up to the plate and lead the way. Um, but I love what you did and how you uh, created this leadership letter and how you addressed, for example, through your letter, um, 21st anniversary of September 11th. And uh, I feel like a lot of times because that's the passion of mine and that's why we're here on the Legacy Leader Show because for me, the crown jewel of leadership is legacy. What did we do to not only live and lead, but ultimately leave behind when we are really having opportunity, when we have all these skills and talents and opportunities, right? And how many people blew those opportunities um, and how many times we kind of react to things versus being consciously, proactively dedicating for something like that. So um, I love your closing on that letter that says, never forget, never waver, and never falter. Uh, that is so, so powerful. Uh, so Tim, uh, do you mind sharing um, what 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 it means to you with all of this? Yes, it's 21 years later and someone who work in intelligence and security who also helped to protect country and nation, as you said, and recognize so many gaps and opportunities. What do all of this means today? Uh, how do you see things um, happening as we're facing uh, completely new realities or different realities or more complicated realities at the current time? Yeah, to me, it means you have to look at the fundamental reasons of what we have for existence. We here in the United States of America were founded as a country of the people, by the people, for the people to go in a new direction. And that direction evolves as we go along. It's still in the process of forming. It's something of, yes, we have a goal and yes, we accomplish, but we're never done with it. <clears throat> and so we have to remember that uh, it's we the people means everyone greater good for ourselves and not just for me, but for us. And we have to remember what happened. How did we feel on that day? Because as I noted, a generation has grown up not having witnessed it and they only knew it from history. I knew of Pearl Harbor from history. I knew of World War II from history. I knew that the people unite together, which is something that people in many countries and especially in this country do, is when they face a crisis, they will unite together to solve it. They have to say, it doesn't have to be temporary. Mm. We don't have to agree on every solution, on every approach, but we have to remember we are one. We have to go forward as one because if not, it fails. And you go back to what Benjamin Franklin said when he uh, told the signers of the Declaration of Independence. Gentlemen, we have to succeed together. We have to hang together because otherwise we will all hang separately. Mm. That applies as much today as it did back then. But we hang together. Yes. Focus on the common good, 
on the common goal, which is toward a more perfect union from the words that they used back then. So powerful, share and so much wisdom here, Tom. Um, so, Tim, and I just wanted to say I, I'm deeply grateful for your rich sharing. And with that in mind, since like you have lived and led amazing legacy, and uh, obviously you retired, uh, you are now working on interesting projects that actually I want everybody who is watching, listening, uh, to be able to hear. What are you currently doing? What, where is your focus currently? A lot of my focus is here is placing commentary out there to provoke thought and get people to think, is uh, address the issues, talk about this. And I also stay involved, active in my community here, is I work with the military support committee here. We support military units here in the area to make sure to give me that connection and keep that going and pass those wisdom on to these same people as we go down the line. Because being retired doesn't mean you, uh, that you stop doing things. And I have this habit, you know, that I love imparting knowledge to other people. And so I use this as LinkedIn as a platform to impart that knowledge down and keep it going. And as it gets shared, I watch people from all over the world are coming in and saying, hey, I like this. Can I follow and listen in? Please do so and tell your friends. Uh, also to get people to think, because I welcome dissenting point of views. This is how we talk things out and understand. And I always tell people, listen to somebody who has a different point of view as you, because number one, they are not necessarily wrong. Number two, you're going to learn something. And number three, you can learn to come to an agreement on things. It's not necessarily consensus or something, but call it compromise in some cases and realize that there are no absolutes in things. You are going to run into people who refuse to let go of their absolutist views. You have to be able to just accept that and move on. But those that you can reach, you can make an impact on your lives. And you'll know they're successful, you're successful when they stay around. I know I'm successful because former colleagues still call me for advice. They still want to talk, they still want to find out. And I'm in contact with them. And it's something that I just enjoy is keeping that knowledge thing going. Because when you do that, it's, and you have people thinking they're reasoning out and that is where we drive solutions. That's fantastic. And it's such a great way to continue to not only contribute, but also uh, connect with others because retirement can be lonely, specifically with someone who did so much in your active uh, world uh, while you were contributing to this great nation and others around the globe in such a meaningful way. With that in mind, I'm just curious, what's in the bucket list, Tim, and what would you like your legacy to be? I mean, you lived, you're, li you're living it, you're leading it, and what would you consider for leaving as part of your legacy. A good portion of it is in place, fortunately, when you see that they are doing things the way you design and that the fundamentals of it do not change. And when I was able to train a generation behind me who goes out and teaches the same thing, a few years back in the army, 
when I came across a person who I noticed he wrote very well. And after a while, I saw words in there that people didn't usually use unless I taught them. And I said, who taught you how to write? And he said, he mentioned a former employee of mine, a former soldier. And he said, and by the way, he said, you taught him how to write. And that realized that when what I teach is being taught to others, that is your legacy. That it goes down and it will be handed down, you hope, through several generations to come, even long hereafter, is that when you can make a mark on that and you have changed people's lives because you have given them some sort of knowledge and inspiration that they are willing to pass on to somebody else. And as for me, I hope to get out and travel more, go out and enjoy Europe as a tourist rather than somebody who is working there in uniform and also through parts of Asia and such is get out and just enjoy it a bit. It does not have to worry about things. Uh, one of the nice things is um, when I was on vacation while working for immigration, my laptop followed me even though I was technically not working, I was still working. Well, I don't have to worry about that anymore. So now I'll have a chance to just really, my wife and I enjoy it. Something Fantastic. Because you have to take time for yourself. Yes. No you what do. you're doing is no matter how much you're dedicated to your craft, your task or something, you still need your me time. Yes. And you need a family time and you need a fun time. And, and I'm super excited for you for opportunities to travel and exactly do that without worrying about safety and intelligence and all the other things you've been doing for so long. Uh, because uh, now it's the time also to just enjoy it. With that in mind, if for everybody watching and listening that would love to get in touch with you, what is the best way to get in touch with you? The best way is right here on LinkedIn. You can find my page, Tim Bowman. Uh, it has my smiling face. I know the picture is a little older. I don't look as nice as I, back, as I did back then, but it is, I assure you, it is me. And go in, I encourage you to read contact and tell me what's on your mind it is because if you have a question uh, when it comes to something like leadership or how to deal with these sort of things, I things I love to answer for and love to share information and love to hear your perspective because these perspectives are how we all still learn and grow and still absorbing knowledge along the way. And that's why I love being on here. So please come on and ask and you'll find me here. Fantastic. I will make sure that everybody watching and listening are getting the right links and opportunity to correct, uh, connect directly with Tim, learn more about his uh, current work and efforts, as well about Leadership Letter and opportunity to engage on a weekly basis and how a chance to really get down to this thought-provoking leadership um, golden nuggets that can help you to lead and, and be more successful, help you to lead better and be more successful. Tim, it was absolute pleasure to have you here with us today on Legacy Leader Show. And we just wanted to thank you and we look forward bringing you back on down the road because I have a feeling you and I will be talking again. Yes, very much. I consider it a privilege to be on your show and I would be honored to come back again on it and uh, do some further work here with you. You're doing some great work with your program here and I really hope that people can get that and learn and grow from it. Thank you very much.
Thank you for listening to Legacy Leader Show. If you enjoyed the content and had a positive experience, then please leave us a positive rating. In addition, leave us positive review whenever you are listening on whatever platform there might be. Make sure your friends and family also know about the benefit and value that we provide and what we have to offer. Cheers.